Hey, good morning. It is good to see everybody here today. A lot of babies, a lot of baby noise, which is cool. A lot of new babies in the church and a lot of new faces too. And uh, let me just, you know, we, we do, we're, we try to be a very friendly church, very welcoming church. And if you are new, if you've been, if you're here, there's like, it's like, I can't even talk right now. Okay. <laughs> Stop, take a breath. <sighs> All right. That's good. That's good army training. Um, if you are new here and this is like the first time, maybe first, second time in the last month, um, feel welcome and feel like you're a part because just about everybody here is very new to this church. It's a, a very, very new and growing church. So I hope that made sense. It was just like an icebreaker. Maybe not. If it didn't, just humor me because I'm old. And uh, being old, I've got no explanation for that. Anyway, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. Why don't we just get into the message and uh, stop with all the, uh, this stuff? What Jonathan mentioned, uh, texting, uh, what we're trying to do, if, if, for those of you who are on our, our uh, prayer chain, you'll know that um, <clears throat> it's either the app's fault or the user's fault. And if you know me, I'm the user, so it's probably the user's fault, but I'll blame the app. Um, but we're trying, to, uh, we're trying to get our communications uh, of, in the church to the next level, uh, to where we can take advantage of, of everything that's out there and, and uh, keep in contact and all the things we need to do. So uh, if you need that number again, Jonathan will be there. We'll probably have it up on the screen. And uh, you're not signing up to, you know, we're not, you're, you're not giving us your inheritance or anything like that. It's just your information so that we can uh, keep in contact if you want to be on the prayer chain. If you don't want to be, then that's, that's fine. That's entirely up to you. But what we're trying to do is, is uh, make our, um, our communication system here at the church much more functional and uh, kind of modern day instead of like a rotary phone type of, hello, how are you, um, prayer tree, right? Okay, I'm like 0 for 3 today in humor, so... Yes, First Peter chapter four. We've been talking about uh, the theme. The series theme that we're on is called "What Next," and uh, we talked. We talked about all the things that Jesus did, the example He laid out for us in living, and the question for us now is: Now that He's done everything He's done, now that He's uh, shown us how to live, shown us how to minister, and died for our sins, gone back to heaven, we are left with ministry. We are left with the responsibility of reaching this world with the message of Jesus Christ. So for us, the question is, what is what next? What next? What are you going to do next? Now that we have all this information, what are we going to do next? And so we're talking about that now. What are the next steps to take in your growth as a Christian, in your walk with the Lord? And especially, we're going to talk about this a lot today and next week, especially in your relationships within the church. I am a I'm, an, I'm a local church guy, man. I truly am. I love what Jesus did when he created the local church. Um, I don't mean to sound condescending to the creator of all things, but I think the church is an ingenious vehicle to reach this world. It's amazing. If the church is operated correctly and done right and the people buy into it and the church works the way it's designed, it's amazing what can happen through the local church. And I'm sold on it. And it's not just because I lead one. 
Uh, I've loved being part of a church since I was a kid. Even when, my, when our parents would drag us uh, to church every waking minute of the day, especially in the summertime uh, when we'd have uh, camp meetings, crazy times, like 5 o'clock till 12 o'clock every day, Monday through Saturday, and then church on Sunday. I just love the church, and I love what it represents, and I love what, what can happen through it. So a big part of what we're going to be talking about and what we've been talking about and continue to be talking about is connecting with the church and what that looks like and what that means. Resolve, this is going to be on the screen. Resolve, in order for a church to grow and be effective in its God-given call to grow believers and evangelize their community, the individual members of the church must take responsibility for their own spiritual lives and the lives of their children. If this church is going to be everything it's been called to be, if this church is going to continue to minister and meet the needs of the community... Saturday before last, we had trunk or treat. 6,000 people came out. That's awesome. We're seeing people come back. You know, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I, I talked to people, people asked me how it went. And I said, we had, we, well, we found out how many cars we could park on our lot at any one time. It was over 330, right, Drew? Over 330 all around. And up in my uh, the, the yellow house we, uh, up in their lawn up there. Uh, and that's awesome because that's what we call a bridge event. And that bridges the gap between us and our community. And it lets people know who we are and where we're at. And we get the chance to talk to them. But what, what next? What do we do with that? It's not just a time to give out candy to kids. There is, a, there is an ulterior motive to our bridge events. And the ulterior motive is reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the love and the message of Jesus Christ. That's why we do those kind of things as a church. That is only successful because people in the church have taken responsibility for the ministry of the church. Just think of how much more could be done if everybody that calls new life their home bought in and did what they've been called to do. That's what we're going to be talking about. Now, this goes beyond simply attending church. It encompasses being active in ministry and in corporate Bible study of some kind. You may wonder why every Sunday we advertise our Bible studies and we start, we're adding more and more. And as our men's ministry gets going, we're going to have Bible studies in our men's ministry. We're going to have all kinds of opportunities. We know that it's a 24-7 society today. The kind of church I grew up in where uh, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and that's all you needed because nobody worked past 4.30 or 5 o'clock and everybody could make. Those days are gone, man. Those days are gone. We're a 24-7 society. We are seriously looking at adding uh, a second service on Sunday morning and a Saturday night service, not because we're busting out the seams, but because we want to meet the needs of people who can't be here at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Whether it's basic discipleship, a deeper group Bible study or personal devotions, it's vital to the growth of a church, our church, that each individual take ownership of their own spiritual growth. And it doesn't matter what ministry you get involved in. Once you, once you start growing spiritually, it doesn't matter what ministry you get involved in. It's just vitally important that you get involved somewhere. That's how growing is accomplished. 
That's how, that's how working out your salvation is accomplished. That's how taking ownership. I mean, you've accepted Christ as your Savior. You've got eternity secure. But he said, the, the Bible tells us now we have to work our so, salvation out. We have to get involved and do something to reach this world so that other people will hear the message of Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter what ministry you get involved in. It matters that you get involved in ministry. Personal spiritual growth will grow you in the knowledge of your faith and just as importantly, the practice of your faith. Personal ministry will not only help you to understand your purpose, but it will also open up your eyes to the great needs of others all around you and give you a burden in your heart to do what you can to reach them. Man, I'm so proud that our church did everything it can. Whether you brought in a bag of candy, whether you were here parking, whether you were watching the games, whether you were um, you know, handing out donuts to people, whatever it was you were doing, whether you're out there greeting people in line, I was just so, so proud of our church and so thankful. But my, my prayer as a pastor is not that we just be excited about what we did, but what we're, that, that we're now excited about what can be. That we gain a burden for those 6,000 people that were here that night. That we start praying, even though we may not know them by name, but we start praying for those people that we saw. I remember there was, there was one, oh my gosh, costumes of the night, okay? It was a family showed up, mother and father. I don't know what they were dressed up as, but they had a daughter. Some of you might remember them, um, the oldest daughter, she looked like she was about 10 or 11. She was dressed up as Medea. Anytime you can get a Medea costume in the church, man, that's a, that's, that's a home run right there, right? But then they had twin seven-month-old babies. And the mom, remember them? The mom made these costumes. They were dressed up as Cabbage Patch Kids. And she took cardboard and made... Cabbage Patch boxes. So the kids were sitting in a Cabbage Patch box. It was amazing. So you got Medea, who's just the funniest, uh, just a riot, and two Cabbage Patch babies. It's awesome. It was good times. That's, it's awesome. I remember them. But those costumes, as cute as they were, need to spur me to remember to pray for the mom and the dad of Medea and the Cabbage Patch babies. And to pray for those kids. You see, it's great to reach out to our community, but how should that affect us when we minister? It should give us a burden for the people that we live among that need to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. People that have been hurt in church have suffered church abuse, if you will, and now need to be connected to a church that truly just cares about loving each other and serving the community and honoring Jesus Christ above all things. I truly believe that you cannot stand near a fire without feeling its warmth, and you cannot get involved in a vibrant, focused, and actively ministering church without growing in your faith. I believe that with all my heart. If you jump in and you get involved and start being around God's people and start talking with God's people and you start getting involved in the ministry and seeing what goes on here and what it is that we do and what it is that we want to do, man, I'll talk... I ask anybody who sat down and had a coffee with me. I'll talk ministry with you for hours. I love it. It's the passion of my life. When you start talking to people about Jesus and about what, what goes on in the church and what we can do, boy, it rubs off. It rubs off. So not only are you learning, learning but you're also being affected by others 
who are involved. When we as a church focus on our own spiritual depth, then God will take care of our corporate breadth. Let me say that again. When we as a church focus on our own spiritual depth, then God will take care of our corporate breadth. What that means is if you, as you take care of your own spiritual walk, your own individual life walking with Jesus Christ, as you grow deeper in your faith, as each of us grow deeper in our faith, we start to let our light shine. The Bible says that a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. The Bible says you're not, not, you have not been made a light to hide under a bushel, but to put on a candle so it brings light to everybody in the room. You see, when we start focusing on our own walk and our own growth in Jesus Christ, it rubs off. And now we start seeing our community be affected. Listen, you'll, you might be out in the community one of these days and somebody might remember who you from Trunk or Treat. Oh, I know you. What are you going to do with that? Now it's time to say, hey, we'd love to, we'd love to host you on a Sunday morning. We don't have Krispy Kreme donuts, but we have Dunkin' Donuts. And, and I'm proud to say, we have fruit. <laughs> I ate fruit this morning. No lie. Anybody witness that? I ate fruit this morning. I did. I put a little bit of a, I put Splenda on it. <laughs> because we all know that fruit is not sweet enough as it is. It needs something. And, and I'm, I, I am what they call, I am what they call um, extra large in size. So I don't use regular sugar. I use Splenda. Because there's no calories in it, you can use as much as you want. Because there's nothing, there is absolutely nothing wrong with Splenda. It's, uh, it's good for you. It's good for you. Um, lots of protein in Splenda. Uh, but but um, now you take that opportunity to invite people to come out to church. That's what it's all about. Getting them in here, letting them feel the love of Jesus through his people, letting them hear the word and letting them get in. in you know, I love the last song we sing, we sang today. I will build my life on you. It's a firm foundation. Oh, man. See, that starts rubbing off on people when it's true in your life and you start sharing it with other people. Let's read our text, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. It says, just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Now, we started, um, this is a, I do, my, my messages are really different. Um, I, I have series within series, and in those series, I have other series. So um, this is a part of a bigger uh, what next, but this is what next part four. And the message that I preached before on this two weeks ago, because Zach preached, Zach did a great job last Sunday, didn't he? Those of you here, man, Zach did a great job. He's our assistant pastor and a great speaker, dynamic speaker. Uh, I want to grow up and be like him. <laughs> Zach's my oldest son, so that was a joke. 
man, I am, I'm just, it's just dying today, man, just dying. It's got to be that the Rams are not playing today. They're on their bye week. Anyway, I want to review a little bit what we talked about. The first thing we talked about when, it, when we talked about what next, and what next in your personal life was this, you need to decide your direction. You need to decide the direction of your life. And we talked about the point of being at the point of salvation where you understand in order to walk the walk with Jesus Christ, you must accept him as your personal savior. There's no other, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. You must be born again, as Jesus said. You don't have, you don't, don't must be a Christian. Because remember, Christian is a derogatory term that was given to the first century believers. Uh, mocking them for being too much like Jesus. Jesus said, you must be born again. Now the world mocks us for being born again, right? But that's what the Bible says. You must be born again. You must accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So you've got to come to the point of salvation. Then we talked about the, the checkpoint of decision. Will you follow Jesus? The point of commitment, will you get involved? And the point of accountability. Now we move to the second thing. After deciding your direction, I believe that it's vitally important for you as a follower of Jesus to do this. You must determine your value. You must determine your value. And I know we hear a lot about this today, uh, people talking about this out there in society. But I think it matters incredibly in our church, especially in our day and age, that you understand who you are in Jesus Christ that you understand what you are to Jesus. You're not just a number. Now, we, we keep track of our numbers. We keep track of how many uh, drive the guys crazy. Uh, we, we take account of everybody that's here, and we count in the parking lot because we want to make sure we've got enough parking. And, and uh, so we, we look at numbers. But you are not, a number does not resent, represent who you are here at New Life. That's just a tracking method for us. You are a soul for whom Christ died. You were an individual who Jesus Christ thought had enough value and believed had enough value that he was willing to give his life for you. But that's not how many people today, and maybe that's you today, maybe that's not how you see yourself. Because someone has told you you're not worth it. Because somebody told you when you were young that you were stupid or that you were ugly or you were picked on and you were bullied all through your life. Unfortunately, some of you didn't have the greatest home life. And you were the object of abuse in your home. And that has carried over with you to your adult years. And it carries over to you in your walk with the Lord because you don't think you're of the same value as anybody else here. You think you're not worth it. I'm not worth as much. As, you know, when I tell the story of my youth, my two sisters are here and they can, they can testify to this. We grew up in Mayberry RFD. We really did. I, my life, if you want to know what my childhood was like, watch Leave it to Beaver. Seriously. Seriously. That is what, that, that's what the towns we grew up in were like. I grew up in, in uh, most of my growing up was in Elkton, Maryland. It wasn't, when it wasn't there, it was in some remote farm in Pennsylvania that had bats in the, in the attic and cows. And my dad was an expert horseback rider. Uh, but... Uh, but, I mean, we're just small town America, you know? Um, I look back on my childhood lovingly and fondly, but some of you can't. You look back on your childhood as a moment of horror every waking day. 
And because of that, you see yourself as someone who has very little value in the eyes of God. And you don't think, well, if I'm not good enough for so-and-so, then I'm just not good enough, period. Some of you, it's been your ex-whatever in your life that causes you to see your value as less than what it should be because I wasn't good enough for them. They chose somebody younger than me. They chose somebody more handsome or prettier than me. And you look at yourself as less than, and that's how you determine your value. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25. This will be on the screen. Those of you who struggle with your personal value, and those of you who just need a reminder, read along with me as I read these verses. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. There's a, uh, uh, a Facebook page, uh, it's a baseball fans page, and a guy put a, uh, a message on there today. And I'll tell you what, man, it's an amazing looking picture. Appalachian State University just opened up a brand new baseball stadium. And it is set at the foot of the Appalachian Mountains. And they had somebody in a, an airplane or a helicopter take a picture as the leaves were at peak. And you're looking down on this beautiful new stadium with the splendor and the glory of autumn which I believe shows us God's creativity of, above all things. And it's, I mean, it's, it's suitable for framing. <laughs> it is a beautiful picture. And I think, you know, we live in an amazing place in, for, for autumn. Now, for those of you who have never spent a winter in New England, enjoy autumn. <laughs> okay? Uh, it's a little dicey after this. But I love, I could, I could just go and drive and look and, or ride a bike or just take a hike. I go up to Skinner Mountain and uh, there's a portion of Skinner Mountain after you get past the halfway house <clears throat> where the trees lean over the road. And in, in the fall, those trees turn gold, those leaves turn gold. And it's like walking through a tunnel, a golden tunnel. And I, I just can't help but praising and worshiping God as I see the beauty of autumn. And I think that every day, because we know that God sustains, if you believe the Bible, God sustains all of this. God sustains all of this. 
God sustains nature. God sustains the air we breathe. God sustains everything. The earth is, is God's uh, handiwork, and God takes care of it, and it, it gets all of its life from God. He's the source of all things. And God, in his creative love, every morning changes those leaves. I don't know why. There's nothing in the Bible that explains to me why it was important to God to change the colors of the leaves every day in the autumn when they're dying. Think about that, will you? A leaf is its most beautiful when it's closest to death. I don't know why God does that, but he does. He cares enough about those leaves as they get to the end of their life to make them the most beautiful they could possibly be. I personally love those crimson red leaves. I just think they're spectacular. They truly are. And yes, I just use the word spectacular. God takes the time to change the multiple billions of leaves on trees around the world every day in autumn but he cares about you so much more. You are of more value to him than the most beautiful landscape he could create. So the next time you think I'm worthless, I have no value, nobody in my life has ever encouraged me, everybody in my life has been negative, they've taken advantage of me, they've used and abused me throughout my life, and they've left me behind as this empty human shell who feels worthless, just remember this. The God who cares enough to make this world beautiful cares more about you than this world. Now, he cares about you more than the birds and the flowers, and he cares about you more than all the animals. This is, I think, is kind of an important one. Genesis chapter 1. Beginning of verse 24, and God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. In Genesis, during the creation account, when it says that, and God saw that it was good, that was a statement of completion. God was done with creating that whatever at that time. Bible says that God created all the animals and then he stopped creating animals. Okay? Now let's see what he says after that. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Can I say this now? Being the age I am means that I grew up starting school in the 60s, okay? Then in the 70s. And I graduated in the early 80s. So that was at the peak of, of um, evolution really taking hold in schools and really being taught. And I was taught that I was an animal. I was taught that I was just an animal. I was just part of 
the animal kingdom, and we were the top at this point because we know we all evolve and everything evolves, and eventually mankind will evolve right out of the top spot, and uh, we're so wretched and we're so terrible, and we, we use plastic, for goodness sake, so we're, we're going to, to, to just knock ourselves out of everything, and the, I don't know, the, the Beatles will take over, <laughs> not the ones that play the guitar, right? Uh, we found, we knew in, in the army that the only thing that would survive a nuclear holocaust is a, um, a roach, cockroach, and they would be eating Twinkies because, <laughs> because Twinkies have like a 700-year shelf life. And I love them. <laughs> I love Twinkies. <laughs> anyway. Um, can I just, and, and some of you, some of you may, may believe that. And that may be the way you were taught, and you've just accepted it. The humanity, we're animals. We're, we're part of what, the, the genus the, of, of whatever in the species, uh, uh, homo sapien, whatever. I don't know the whole scientific thing. But that's what we've been taught. All that does, if you believe that, if you believe, I'll say it, if you believe the garbage that the world tells you, that humans are just animals, just the top of the food chain, what you're doing is devaluing yourself in the eyes of God. I mean, de devaluing yourself in your eyes and going against the teaching of God. You don't devalue yourself in the eyes of God. You're devaluing who you are and who God created you to be. Remember, he stopped creating animals, and then he said, let's make mankind in our image. I want to make mankind like me. I want to make mankind to have the characteristics and the qualities that I have. And then understand this, not only are, are you more valuable than, than the birds and all of nature, not only are you, are, are you more valuable to God than all of the animals. In fact, we are, we are given uh, we are, we are to, we're the leaders. We're the ones that are the caretakers of God's creation and the animals. But the Bible also says you are more valuable and more prized in God's sight than even the angels. That doesn't mean you're more powerful than the angels, but you are more prized. Remember, the angels rebelled. A third of the angels of heaven rebelled against God, right? They were kicked out of heaven. Satan, Lucifer, was an angel, kicked out of heaven for his rebellion. They sinned. What did God do? He kicked them out of heaven. Humanity sinned. What did God do? Sent his only son to die for our sins. You see where I'm going with this? Folks, you are, val you are so valuable to God. You may cheapen your worth. You may think you're not. You may not be the most perfect. You may not be the most complete. You may not be the most... When I, when I had all my surgeries, all my replacement surgeries, they talk to you on a psychological level, man. Now, understand this. You're not going to have the same real things that you were born with. And I said, well, thank God, because those things hurt right now. But they wanted to make sure that you did not cheapen yourself and think you are less. Like, no, I went out and played golf and I played better now with a titanium leg than I did without one. 
I, rem- I, I realize that I am valuable to God because he loves me. He created me, and he loved me enough to send his son to die for me. You may not think you're worth much. You may not see yourself as valuable. You may not see yourself as much of anything, but God does. Man, God sees you as special. God sees you as spectacular. You can either determine your value or let others determine it for you. But let me tell you this. Let me say this again. You can either determine your value or let others determine it for you, but it will not change your value in the eyes of God. You can do nothing to change your value in the eyes of God. He created you, he loves you, and he sent his son to die for you. And Christian, he has a purpose and a plan for your life, whether you want to believe it or not. And he doesn't value one gift above the other. We, we place those values on our, on our gifts. Well, he's the pastor. Well, he's the this, and he's the that, and she's the that. And she's the, he says, listen, even a cup of cold water given in my name will be blessed. Everything that you do in my name is valuable. That's what Jesus says to you. How are you your most valuable to the kingdom of God? What makes a successful follower of Jesus? I'm going to give you these three points, and we're going to, we're going to end this one today. But how are you, how are you your most, your most valuable for the kingdom of God? What makes a successful follower of Jesus Christ? It's not as tough as you think. It's not as tough. In Micah 6, 8, it says, what does God require of you? To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. First thing I think we need to do, I believe, that makes us a strong Christian is having credibility in life choices and actions. Credibility in life choices and actions. Now, some of you have careers, all of you have careers, things that you do to earn a living, to provide for your family, to provide for yourself, whatever the situation is. And those abilities, those talents that you have, that you bring to the table, that you bring to the job, are very important. And they're, uh, they're vital to your job, right? They're vital to the success of your job, whether you drive a truck, whether you're a doctor, whether you're uh, a teacher, whatever it is, you have those abilities. In my, in my occupation, truly the most important thing I have is my integrity. If I do not have credibility and integrity as a pastor, I have nothing. Because that's, what I, that's all I can bring to the table. Anybody can get up and speak. Seriously. Anybody can make decisions and, and do things around here throughout the week. But if I'm going to lead a church, I must have integrity and credibility. Listen, if you are going to prove your value to God, you've got to have the same thing. Don't think that it's just on me. If you are going to invite somebody to church, or you're going to tell somebody you live for Jesus Christ and that he truly matters in your life, you better back up those words with a life that shows it. Truly. You must be a credible person, a credible follower of Jesus Christ. It's not that difficult. Do the right thing. Right? Just do the right thing. Do what's right to do. Well, what I think is right may not be what you think is right. Listen, we all have to find our own way. And we are all made differently and designed differently. And there may be things that you don't have an issue with that I do, that, that, I, that would cause me to stumble. If anything's going to cause me to stumble, I'm not going to do it by the grace of God. 
but it may not be a problem for you. Some of you might have a real issue with going to the movie theaters. For me, that's an escape. Truly is. I remember growing up, how many of you were old enough to remember when bowling alleys were pits of Satan? Right? <laughs> right? Right? I was like, I, I used to walk home in Elkton, Maryland. I used to, sometimes I'd walk home. It was like a five-mile walk uphill both ways. And uh, truly, there was a hill both ways. It was in a valley. Right? Uh, I'm not lying. Um, and I'd walk, by, I'd walk by the bowling alley in Elkton, and I'd look at it, and I'd, and I'd say to myself, I wonder what goes on in there. <laughs> right? I wonder what goes on in there. Because I'm told it's such a horrible place to be. I'm an 11-year-old kid. Oh my gosh. What goes, am I going to be struck by lightning if I walk in the bowling alley? Listen, maybe you can't go to a bowling alley. Maybe it brings back bad memories of, you know, pins to the head. I don't know. <laughs> Movie theaters might not be a good place for you because whatever. But what you need to do is find out what works for you in your life. Obviously, if the Bible says it's sin, you avoid it. But some things that you don't have a problem with, just because I may have or that I have a problem with and you may not, you need to find out what works for you. Because I believe God has designed each and every one of us in a way where you may love bowling, and you go bowl, and you meet other bowlers. And you reach them with the message of Jesus Christ. See where I'm going with this? You may have gifts and talents and desires and likes that are, once again, are not sinful, but that take you to places where people need to hear about Jesus. We're not cookie cutters. We have not been cut out of the same mold. We are made differently. And you need, to you need to own who you are and live that life with credibility so that when you are in that place where God has led you and God has created you to interact in your life, you will have credibility with those people and they'll see Jesus in you. And the opportunity to reach them with the love of Christ will just naturally shine through. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You get that? We worshiped this morning, and that was awesome worship. It was awesome worship. But the highest form of worship that you can present to Jesus Christ is living your life for his cause and his purpose. We get the verse two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Credibility in life choices and actions. The second thing we need is competency in scriptural knowledge and application. So you've got to be credible in what you say you believe. And secondly, you've got to be competent in what you say you believe. Bible says you've got to be able to give an answer. Erin is taking a class this semester. Uh, she's old, she, I think she's got six or eight more classes until she graduates. And this, uh, she's got this very intimidatingly sounding, intimidating sounding class. Apologetics, right? Apologetics. It sounds like well, I, when I first heard that, that phrase, because I had to take that when I was in college, it sounded like I'm apologizing for my faith. All that is is um, to, it, it's a defense 
of our faith, defense of the, knowing how to defend your faith. We as believers need to know what we believe so we can do, as the Bible tells us, give an answer to everyone that asks a question. You see how this works? You live a life that matters for Jesus Christ. You live a life of character and credibility and integrity before others, no matter where it is you are. Listen, you might like to go to the rifle range. Now, I understand we're in Massachusetts, and some of you think that those kind of weapons are of the devil. Yeah, I get it. This is Massachusetts, man. We have all kinds of crazy things. I happen to love shooting up targets. I had just good times, just good times. Uh, one of the greatest memories, I had two great memories of basic training. I love basic training. I, basic training was awesome. But shooting the 50 caliber machine gun with the butterfly triggers at an old car out in a field 300 yards away, that was cool. Okay, that was a good time. And throwing the hand grenades. Oh, Lord above. <laughs> Let me blow something up. That was cool. That was cool, yeah. That was really cool. Okay? But wherever God takes you, man, you need to live with the credibility and the integrity so that when that question comes and somebody asks you about what you believe and why you believe it and why you do the kind of things you do, you can say, this is what I believe. This is what I believe. You're competent in your scriptural knowledge and application. You know what the Bible says, and you know how to apply it to your life. Not because we as a church set standards for you. I mean, we don't do that here. I am not your, uh, your moral authority. Understand that. I am not your moral authority. Don't ask me what, you know, don't, don't ask me for a list of do's and don'ts, because it, ha- it ain't coming from this, this pulpit. Not going to happen. You need to figure that out by yourself. I will help you. I will help you learn what the scripture says. But applying that to your life, that's on you. That's between you and God. Why? Because someday you're going to stand before him and answer for what you do. You're not going to be able to use me as the fall guy. So you need to know the scriptures, and then you need to know how to apply the scriptures. 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Man, this is why we're offering so many Bible studies, because you need to get involved. And now listen, when we say Bible study, what do we mean, Barb? We study the Bible. Right? Mike, senior deacon here, we study the Bible in Bible studies. Right? We don't talk about a topic. We study the Bible. So if you want to join a Bible study here, come on out, man, because we'll talk about the Bible. And we'll ask about it. You want to, you want to, there's two people back here that are amazingly deep in their faith. My mother and father who have taught the Bible combined probably 130 years, 120 years, something like that. If you, put, if you put all their, all their time together, that's not individually, that's all their, all their time together, right? Amazing, amazing. Why do we do that? So you can learn about the word, man. So you can understand what the Bible has to say. And then you could sit down and mull it over with other Christians and talk about it. Well, what does that mean? How does that really, how does that work today? Ah, oh, come on, that book was written over 2,000 years ago. That's not applicable today. I'll guarantee you it is. I'll guarantee you we could sit down and we could talk about the word going through Philippians on Wednesday nights. 
And you know what, Vicki, do we have conversations, Cliff and Sue, do we have conversations about how the Bible applies today? I mean, situations today in our world, we're talking about how this applies. Man, that's, that's how you become a good Christian. That's how you live your faith. You have credibility, and then you have competency in the scriptural knowledge and application. And lastly, you positively impact the lives of others daily. Positively impacting the lives of others daily. When I was a kid, lifestyle evangelism was a horrible term. Oh my gosh, you just don't want to go knock on doors. Actually, no, I don't. <laughs> but uh, lifestyle evangelism is so looked down upon. But nowadays, that's how we reach people. You live a life of evangelism. And every day you put into practice what the Bible has to say. Listen, ask Mary. Um, and Zach and Jonathan, me, Aaron, those of us who, who uh, are on the Facebook page for the church, all the negative comments that came back and how can a church celebrate Halloween? Oh my gosh, you're so evil. Oh no, what's going to happen? I'm praying. I remember one said, I'm praying for you that you will understand how terrible this is. Like, okay, great. Thanks. Appreciate it. Want a donut? If you don't like Halloween, don't celebrate Halloween, but don't rain on our parade. We had 6,000 people come out to our church. When was the last time on a Sunday morning we had 6,000 people come to our church? Uh, never, by the way. But people who had never darkened the door of a church came through here. And you know what they saw? They saw people in love with Jesus. They saw all this stuff that was free that we cared enough to give over 6,000 people a fun family night in a safe environment. And we just did it because we love them and wanted to get to know them. Those are good works. Those are good deeds. And those were things that laid a foundation and possibly opened a door to reach others with the gospel. I believe that night will continue day after day, to positively impact the lives of others. Did you know that we were the largest trunk or treat in the Springfield metropolitan area? Bar none. Little New Life Church. Did you know that we are known for that now? So that's the second thing. We're not that's just the church with the clothing shed. We're the trunk or treat church, right? Man, man. All those are great things. Though. Yeah, whatever, Pastor. You're gonna, no, 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 no. You got to see this with a ministry mind. You got to see the big picture. People know us now. People know who we are. And maybe, just maybe, you'll meet one of them out there in the community. And you'll have a chance to share with them some more of the love of Jesus until perhaps one day you'll be able to share with them the ultimate act of love that Jesus died for their sins and bring them to the foot of the cross to where they can make that decision for or against him. See, that's what it's all about. That's why we do what we do. That's why I love the church, you see? That's why I've got the greatest job in the world. 
I love it. I love doing this. You see, that's how you, it's, it's not about keeping your hair the proper length or, or wearing slacks instead of, or not wearing slacks, wearing skirts below your knees. It's not about the outward appearance. That's what people look at. It's about the heart. That's what matters to Jesus. You are so valued by him. He wants to use you so much. He's got such an amazing plan for your life. All you have to do is say, I'll follow. I'll follow. I'll give in. I'll follow. Whatever it is you want me to do, wherever it is you want me to go, whoever it is you want me to speak to. Some of you are here today, and you've got broken hearts, broken lives. We're all broken people, understand that. What makes us different than some other churches, not all other churches, because we're not the only one like this. What makes us different than a lot of other churches is that we know we're broken, and we know the one who has healed us. Therefore, when you bring your brokenness to, he, to this church and you talk with somebody and, and we, we pray with you, we share with you, we just love on you, whatever it is that you need at the moment, you understand it's coming from a life that knows where you're at. Some of you who have who failed at marriage, right? Hey, I'm a big loser in marriage the first time. Second time's going really well, Okay. Really good. I thought that was going to be funnier too, but it wasn't. Okay. Uh, actually, 29 and a half years was a good run. But now, God has blessed me with a second marriage. It's amazing. Oh, the, pa the pastor's divorced. The pastor's broken just like you. The pastor's broken just like you. I just know where to get healed. I, I just know where I got healed. And I chose to stick there and follow just like you can. You see, that's what following Jesus is all about. Positively impacting the lives of others daily. Matthew 25, 40 and 41. When did you see a stranger? When did we see you a stranger invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You know what that means? That means whatever you do for the kingdom of God matters. Man, I don't care. I don't care if it's riding a lawnmower, um, cutting the grass. I don't care if it's white, washing the windows of the church. I don't care if it's teaching a Bible study or working in the kids' ministry, working in the nursery, which is like the most, you know, the most thankless job in the world. Seriously, man, I don't, I don't care what it is you do. You do it for the cause of Jesus Christ. You are so blessed in your deed, and you honor him. You think, think of it this way. By you serving in his name, you honor his great sacrifice of his life for you. He gave everything he, he had for you. What do you have to get back to show your love? Not to prove your worth, to show your love. The 
Listen, you can't do everything, but you can do something. You can't do everything, but you can do something. A whole lot of somethings add up to everything, don't they? A whole lot of somethings add up to everything. Just remember that. Hebrews 13, 16, do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. I think that, that is so simple, isn't it? Man, don't forget to do good to people. Yes, it's a sacrifice. But with those kind of sacrifices, those kind of expressions of service and love, and God is so pleased. He's so pleased. I have eight-year-old twin boys. You know what pleases me? When they pick up their dirty socks off the floor. <laughs> that may not seem like a big deal to you, but if you've ever smelled Gabriel Michael's dirty socks... <laughs> Seriously, man, <laughs> right? <laughs> Seriously. The, the smallest things please us, and the smallest things done for him please him. You are so valuable to God. You're so valuable to him. And can I tell you this? As the pastor of New Life Church, you are so valuable to this church. Man, we love you here. <laughs> we want you here. You are, you are so needed in the cause of Christ, in the kingdom of God at New Life Church, and you're so welcome here. Please don't ever think you're not. There is such value that you bring to the table value that you may not even realize yet, but that God is just waiting to open the door to. So what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here today. What a great crowd here for the first Sunday of November, Lord. Just an awesome time. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for the way you see us. Lord, so many times we devalue ourselves, but God, you never devalue us. Lord, whatever the need this morning, somebody needed this. I know I did. God, somebody may be feeling as if they are just lower than low and more, more worthless than the most worthless thing we could think of. But God, we know in your eyes we have such amazing value because you died for our sins. And you want to spend eternity with each and every one of us. God, may we understand that, may we see that, may we accept that and claim that as truth in our lives and go forward every day living with that knowledge that we may not be valuable to others, but we're valuable to you. There's something vitally important about the life that you created in us. God, would you raise this church up and continue to use this church as a way to reach this community? Would you build each and every individual in this church in their most holy faith, drawing them closer to you and more knowledgeable in their faith and in their walk? And would you prompt us to good works and good deeds, God, so that we might show others what you can do through a life that's committed to you? Lord, as we go from this place, would you bless us? May we take a moment to look around and 
and see the beauty that is the creation that is New England at this time of year. And we remember, may we remember that as beautiful as, as it is, we matter more to you than that. May this week bring us opportunities and open doors and may we have the courage to walk through them, Lord. Dismiss us with your greatest and most rich blessing. For it's in your precious name we pray and ask all these things.